0: Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Um, welcome, guys, to another round of football talk here in New Mexico. Got a great guest tonight, back judge, Tyree Walton. Could you move our, our opening page there, Dennis, so I can uh, look at Tyree's resume, which is, like, crazy impressive. Uh, Tyree started calling football back in 2008. Uh, in sixteen, he was RMAC Football Official of the Year. Um, worked semifinals, Division Two National Championships. In 16, he also gave uh, his first taste of D1 football, working a couple of Mountain West and Southland games at Back Judge. In 17, he was called up by Greg Burks uh, to the Mountain West Conference for a full-time center judge. Uh, worked a conference championship game in the Military Bowl. Uh, Tyra was fortunate enough to work six games at Back Judge before the league ended in the uh, uh, XFL, um, Big 12 Conference. That's where he's officiating at now or going to be in the fall. Um, family men, semi-pro football. Um, and I've had him in other webinars so far this year. You guys, he's down to earth, and you can ask him any question. Don't, don't hesitate. Don't think it's dumb. The guys will answer any questions that we come up with. And uh, Tyree, it's all yours. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Tyree, you're muted.
1: Ah, Ken, all right. Listen, look at that. Thank you for those kind words. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you. You got me? Okay, perfect. Well, you had to go to the to the kind of the black hole now, which is the which is the XFL. So the past two season, I've been fortunate enough to work some the spring ball, which was the Alliance of American Football and the XFL, and both of those leagues have ended abruptly. So I'm starting to feel that it might just be me now at this point. So things some some things we just can't control, but. Um, once again, thank you guys for for having me on. It's really a, a special treat for me to to be, for me to join the call. I think it's kind of an open forum on on what you guys were looking for from, from from myself and from the back judge perspective. But it sounds like it's a you know initi- initiative initiative in New Mexico for um, mechanics and philosophies surrounding the back judge position. So what I went ahead and did is I put a put a PowerPoint together. Uh, just to share a few thoughts around really the the game in the current state of football, how we can prepare ourselves as football officials and, and as back judges specifically. Um, so we'll we'll dive into to that. Also talk about um, our probably our number one call, some some DPI stuff. And we have, if we have time, we'll we'll go into some scrimmage kick mechanics and then open it up for questions. And as I go through the PowerPoint presentation, please. Um, you guys, stop me. Ask any questions, and and really just make this kind of a uh, an open ended ended conversation. Does that work? So, give me a second here while I move this over to this screen. Oh, hold, on. Oh, hold on. Sorry. One share. All right, here we go. Ken, Dennis, can you guys see that? Yes,
0: we can. And we appreciate you taking your time tonight, Tyree. Thank you.
1: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I love, love doing this stuff and I'll, and I'll be happy to join you guys any, any time. So first of all, I thought this was just a, uh, a funny picture of me because really here in this picture this was in the uh, the alliance of american football the aaf last last year and as you guys can see i am bundled up to a t and it was probably maybe 30 40 40 degrees out, outside so i do not play when it's cold i'm say i'm too small for that so i think it's uh look good feel good and feeling good is, is, is being being warm and officiating so so don't judge me here and also don't judge the powerpoint presentation so not the greatest, but we'll we'll go through it. And, and like I said, everything that I have tonight is has been taught to me or taught, you know, by other great officials. And and I and I'm just happy to to pass that knowledge back. Um, so, again, current current center judge, but really grew up and and have a fine um, passion for the for the back judge position. So first of all, I think it's always good for us to to take a step back and really just understand and give ourselves a perspective on what the current state of officiating is. And so we can go into the season, the off season, with an open mind and really understanding um, the game. We want to know, you know, the game that we're playing, the game that we're officiating. And so I just threw this I threw this slide up here really to give us a, a, an understanding at that. Games today are extremely competitive like no other. Fan bases are are passionate. I had a client meeting um, two days ago now. He, he coaches at a – come to find out he coached at a local high school here, and then he's, like, sitting there drawing up plays for me, telling me about that the tight end was covered up and the officials didn't get it during the season. So I think he's just uh, passionate about football and wants to get it kicked back off. But – I can just see from his voice just how much passion that, that coaches have for the game, obviously fans and we do as well for for as officials. Um everyone, you know, from top to bottom is under pressure to, you know, get plays right, whether that's to, to score touchdowns or just get plays right from an officiating standpoint. Now uh, I know the high school officials. Can you guys can tell you can tell me if um, you guys are starting to use the O two O, the official to official communication, in the high school game, in New Mexico? Is that right?
0: Yes, we just got that passed uh, to officially use them. We were sneaking them in anyway, but yeah, now we know how valuable they are.
1: Right. Okay. So again, and so whether it's that kind of communication, whether it's you know replay. Uh, as you move up to different levels, you know technology is so prevalent in our game today. And then whether it's you know your local news or or, or commentating, you know media and, and it's just it's just brutal. So we're we're going to be critiqued and, and and analyzed for for everything that we do on the football field. And then really, you know, most games or many games now, um, especially conference games, they're, they're high profile profile games. We've created a lot of rivalries. And a lot of plays are just decided on the, on the last play um, of the game. So it's, so I kind of wanted to just dive in here. And so with this current state of football, we are judged as officials um, by, by two things. Number one, how we manage a game and how we finish the game. So we can work three-and-a-half, Really, really good quarters, but that last five minutes, last two minutes um, of the fourth quarter, and even going into the, you know, and going into halftime are really critical of, are, of how we are viewed as officials and, and, and how we work the game. So, um, just just keep that in mind because that's those are the two points that I'm going to try to touch on as much as I can as we as we go through go through these slides. So the first first thing first um, is we have to be mentally and physically prepared to to work to work again um, and that and and I wanted to share something with you guys before I actually dove into this slide, Dennis and Ken you guys might have might have saw this and I thought it was. Really prevalent to share about the current state that we're in in our lives, not just officiating, especially for the coronavirus and everything that is going on. You know, you know, most of us our last games were in November and December of last year, and you know, typically we would be working some spring spring ball and and, and or fall scrimmages or anything that that you know, getting out to practices and, and doing that sort of thing to keep our muscle memory up. And so a gentleman by the name of Brad Robertson actually sent out an email yesterday and I thought it would be awesome to share, share with this group. And and Ken, you might, you might've saw this as well. So, you know, I'm going to read it because I think it's really uh, important for us to know as officials, you know, we could be off this timeframe that, that we're going to have next nine, you know, we could be off nine months, 10, 11, up to maybe even 15 months of no football. But we do have to be ready once once our number is called to take that field and our bodies are so important and so we want to prepare ourselves obviously mentally so the things we're doing now on these on these Webex and the conference calls, but also uh, physically so so we can quote unquote knock the rest off before before the game starts so I'm just gonna read what what Brad sent out yesterday because I, I thought it really is be um, pretty beneficial for our, our conversation tonight. So basically, it says here how do we best prepare for the unknown? This is likely going to be the longest off season of everyone's career. Most great officials have three things down pat rules, film, and off season conditioning. And this is an important part of our fall season preparation. So during this time, you know, what am, what I am most concerned about is something that we all need to think about, plan for, and control. Planning on how to best work our muscle memory during this extended time period uh, is crucial. No gym can simulate a football field and the amount of movement a football official travels within a game. We must get in field work. So... Many successful officials get this critical field work during the summer months, and now, more than ever, we need to endorse this aspect of preparation. With no spring ball this year and a prediction of potentially no late summer or early fall ball, all officials need to schedule time each week, several times each week, to uh, get to a football field and, or similar and simulate their position movement. Start with quick kickoffs, simulate the movement of the kickoff, transition into scrimmage plays one after another, Sim- simulate chains, balls, even interacting with, with coaches. Uh, what are you going to say to them if, if you know, they're, they're asking you questions and how are you going to respond to that? Move your bodies by closing, transitioning, sliding, backpedaling with quick bursts all while focusing your eyes and not allowing them to bounce. You know, I've taken – and he puts it here. He's taken pylons and other items out as a point of focus so he can work on snap and work on snaps from the 40-yard 40 40 yard line and in. So you're working on getting to the goal line and breaking down and breaking down and gliding to the goal line for, for other officials. You know, do this 20 to 30 minutes or more per day. So we need to prepare to potentially be away from the game. He says, hopefully I'm wrong, but this could mean – upwards of 10 to 15 months from the field for most officials. That is far too much of a gap for our muscle memory, especially for younger officials, as well as seasoned officials whose bodies aren't really getting much younger. they he also had a, had a good point down here. It says, what is a, what is a trap? So traps are, are us thinking about where I need to be on a play or, you know, when should I get to the goal line? You know, you know what's that position? So our, our muscle memory, the more time that we are off and not involved in the game of football, the more our muscle memory starts starts to fade. So, um, you know, I challenge everyone on the call. I challenge myself to make this offseason and dedicate ourselves this offseason, probably unlike any other offseason we've ever had, to get out there and get snaps physically, essentially, uh, as Brad says, you know, you know, stopping hard, back turning and running. Watching, you know, visualizing us watching our uh, watching our keys, visualizing a uh, a DPI or an OPI or what that looks like. Visualizing getting to the goal line, stopping, uh, and, and because if we don't, you know, the the fear is. is um obviously we're, we're we're gonna be mentally fatigued and we're not going to be able to manage the game and especially finish the game from a fitness standpoint, um, how we would like to. Uh and then the worst case scenario, you know, we could we can get injured if we're not out there working and working and moving our body. So I'm sure many people are on that on the call are doing that. Um, uh, but I thought that was just a a good you know thing to share just as a reminder that let's let's make that a focus as we as we uh continue down this path uh football so any questions there anything i don't want to just keep blabbing.
0: well glad you brought that up i hadn't thought about doing that i mean i'm dieting and running but certainly not doing muscle memory so that's great
1: sure yeah because you know, especially for me, uh, and I'm a center judge right now, full time in the Big 12, and and it feels like, and I, and I don't know if it's just me that 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 rust, even the, the the more work that we put into the off season, I always feel like feel like I have rust, especially that first first game, um, and I'm turning and twisting a lot, and and the same thing is is when I worked in the XFL, that judges in you know, that first game, your body is just Beat up because we're not used to having that movement or those same similar movements for two, three hours at a time. So the more that we can do that and prepare ourselves, um, just the more our bodies are going to feel better essentially after after we work the game. So just just a good reminder. Um, But again, this is the you know preparation is is everything in 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 life and, and officiating, and so. That's why we're going to just just spend the majority of this time because everything that we do uh, leading up to a game is going to make our game um, just better, more well-rounded and, and better officials, better crewmates, uh, the whole nine. So the other thing at a, at a recent clinic that um, I was fortunate to go to, Greg Birch, uh, if you guys don't know, he is the... Um, coordinator of the CFO West, and that consists of the Southland Conference, the Mountain West Conference, and the Big 12 Conference. And so, he said something really crucial uh, in regards to preparation that, you know, I thought was was powerful, and, and it felt like, you know, best to pass that on as well. So, basically, that he said officiating uh, comes is a, is a three-legged stool. It's a strong, sturdy, three-legged stool. And if one of those stools are off, it's going to cause us us to be off as officials, as back judge, whatever whatever position we're working. And that three-legged stool is our rules knowledge, our philosophies, and our mechanics. So, but he also um, kind of circled back and said, you know, we have too many damn lawyers, so excuse excuse me if there's any lawyers out there too many damn lawyers in this conference as well because the easiest thing that we can do as officials is call everything that we see by the book um, so that's why we have philosophies in place to understand when when it when things essentially are foul and when things are not a foul so um, you know one of the philosophies I, I was thinking about until and I and I'll just be honest with you this is from a high level uh, officiating perspective that i'm that I'll dive into tonight. I don't know and I' and I'm not gonna try to kid myself or kid you guys to know the the exact high school rules, but you know you know as officials you have to ask yourself when was the last time that I or we read the rule book from front to back, start to finish. Um, not you know, not stop and, and, and took the test or anything, just literally read the rules from start to finish. Because once we get to the field, coaches expect us to know that know the rule, to be an expert in rules or not. And you guys are like me, and we're not all experts in the rules, um, but that is the expectation that we are that we are held to. So, if that is the expectation that we're held to, you know, we should be trying to do everything that we can to to meet that expectation. And right now, we have we have time, and and simply reading reading the rule book is one heck of a start. I'll also share my experience here. It's it's funny when. Um, You know, you guys hear officials or, you know, especially coming up, you'll hear from different officials say you never know when you are going to be the quote-unquote rule guy on the cruise, whether it's a freshman or JV game. um, You know, especially for me, I mean, I'm like, okay, well, you know, Tim has it down pat. And so, but Tim, you might not work with that individual uh, every week. So you you never, never really know. when that time is going to come, where you're going to be the going to be the rule guy. So, uh, hopefully, and then I'll 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 try to jump around and and once I I'll circle back to that because what I what I what I'll tell you is when I when that happened for me, it was it's probably my first Division One game where I think propelled me. Into a high realm with Greg Burke, and, and, and in day one is where I was able to nail a rule, especially from the back judge position, because we are essentially, quote, unquote, the referees of um, of the deep officials and referees of the of the defensive side of the ball. So uh, then, like I said, circling back, philosophy. Are there so we know when to call the foul and when not, or just general philosophy? So a general back judge philosophy. I, you know, I challenge you guys. Do you know all the philosophies in the high school? You know, kind of CCA mechanics manual. One of the ones here, simple as you know, if an interception is near the goal line and there is a question to whether the pet possession is gained in the field of play or in the end zone, make it a touchback. So it sounds. Pretty, pretty simple, but those are things, the more that we understand the philosophies of football, the easier that we can breathe and we can eliminate surprises, essentially. So um, something I've always told, and especially I think Greg Burke says it really, really well, there's no surprises in football. There shouldn't be any any surprises in football. Coaches know exactly what their players are going to do on every single play. So, you know, if we have a crossing route and there's there's two receivers coming across and one picks the defender and the other, you know, and the other is free to catch the ball, the coach is going to come to you and say, you know, we don't coach that or or you know, that's not how how we drew it up. You know, we have to understand that like, everything everything is everything is coached. You know, that play was drawn up. Maybe they weren't supposed to pick that defender, but unfortunately, that's what happened in that play. So you know we we have to understand that. And again, um, so philosophies are, are are part of that that stool that we just that we have to be that we have to have and it has to be down packed. Um, and then again, mechanics we'll we'll, we'll touch on that uh, as well. Mechanics are as simple as are you in the right position and are you looking where you're supposed to be looking at the right time. And so. Again, um, we can, people can teach rules, can teach ph- philosophies, but if you're at a position, you're going to get plays wrong, and, and, that's, and that's just a fact. So the more that we can get snaps so we can develop our muscle memory so we can ensure we're in the right position at the right time, uh, it's going to make us even stronger as official and especially from the, from the back judge position. And then again, back judges, Jesus, and especially in high school football, run a ton. Um, and so fitness is crucial. Once our, once our mind starts going and, and we, we're thinking about thinking about other things, typically, typically that, that affects our game and our, our games tends to waver and we're not as effective as, as we should be. So that's a, that's a huge focus. And if anyone is on the call that's looking to, looking to move up, um, just in the general scope of officiating you know fitness uh, in general is a key component how you look do you look the part uh, to be put on the field do you have an athletic build an athletic look Um, because that you know gives credibility credibility right away Uh, and then again clock management clock management throughout the game in uh, fact, judges we're we're a crucial, crucial, crucial element um, in clock management, and so, and especially when we get down to those tight end of game situation, clock management even becomes more important. So, again, preparation prior to the season is um, something that we need to do to to focus on. So, Tim, and Dennis, anybody else? No man, have taking any, notes. You have any questions or thought, thought around preparation?
0: I'm just taking notes, man. It's good stuff. Anybody else want to jump in with a question?
1: Reiny, was that Williams just sent a sent me something to approve. So what's up, Riney? Yeah, you're good out there. You said that right. All right. Oh, so um then I, I always I always think this one is, is interesting and so I'll I'll kick it out to the to the group. Does anyone know when we have the most let's say call it lack of concentration or lack of preparation with, within a game? When do we lose focus or have a lapse in concentration the most as game officials? I would say when you have a blowout game. That's a good during one. a, That's a good during one. during during a timeout. Good, yep. Yeah. Anybody else? Six stab at it. Oh, okay. the very first play. I will say the last 2 minutes of the fourth quarter. I'm going to say after you
0: throw a flag the next 5 to 10 seconds.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's a good 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 point. How do we how do we regain focus after we throw a flag or after we kick a call? So, um we can we can touch on that. We can touch on that later, but um actually the the answer is surprisingly enough It's the first five minutes of the third quarter is when collectively as officials, we lose the most concentration. And then we kind of rev ourselves back up to, you know, finish the game strong. Uh, And then obviously, you know, if the game becomes a blowout, you know, we may start to, to lose some focus. But really on average through through all games, whether it's competitive or, or non competitive, we lose focus essentially because why we go to halftime, we get our Snickers or we get you know, we, we have a break and we kinda of just everything just kinda of, ah we can we can breathe a little bit, right? And so coming back out to that third quarter, whether you know, whether it's a blowout, whether it's not, you know, our our concentration level tends to tends to go down. So it's good to just to know that, um, so we can do something and 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 after I made myself aware of that uh, I would say a couple of years ago, you know, I made that a point and a priority to do something to regain focus, but it always comes after a failure. We usually make changes after after a failure uh, and so actually one of my well actually the first season I was hired as a as a center judge um probably game 4 or 5 I'm feeling feeling really good about myself first half was going smooth and, and then literally that I mean the opening drive of that second second half is like my line of scrimmage guy and I'm in the middle of the field he's just like raining flags on my head I got the running back face mask got got thrown off and and then that and I realized I came out of halftime not ready and not prepared to to work a work a football game. So, again, that's just that's just a part of preparation. Everyone's going to be different, but I would just again challenge challenge each person on the call to do something when you come out of halftime after your, your body's relaxed, or after a quick warm up again uh, to do something to re- regain regain focus. Okay. Ronnie, I still got you up there, man. I'm, I'm loving it.
0: Yeah, I just typed to him uh, that we can't hear him. He's going to uh, put his question in on the chat room.
1: Okay. Now my now my PowerPoint stopped somehow. Hold on. There we go. I think whatever he did messed up my screen a little bit here, though.
0: Dennis, do you, can you take that back over for a second to reset it?
1: I'm gonna stop sharing and then I'm gonna re I'll re it. Okay, what's the problem? I,
0: I walked out for a minute. What's going on, Ken? All
1: right, there we go. Okay, I'm good.
0: We're good, Dennis. Okay.
1: All right, can you good? You guys got me back. We got you. And, and again, perfect. And again, please, please stop me if there's any questions in regards to preparation. Maybe some things that I personally, you know, I do. Whatever you guys want to know, uh, listen, I'm he, all ears. Uh, don't want to just spit everything out and literally make this uh, kind of a two way street. And and just happy to to help and and give some some experience. So, again, we'll, we'll transition from obviously off season preparation essentially to now pre uh, pregame preparation. So there's a lot of things as officials that that we do really to just get ourselves to work a snap and work you know work a football game. Um, but from the back judge position specifically I'll say the the first thing off the bat when when you show up to a stadium to, to work in Game, check all of the clock location. That, I know we've all heard that and we all know it, um, but just put it on your game card. Even put some of the pre, pre-game routine things on your game card so you don't forget. I will be, tell the honest truth, the, I think it was our second game in the XFL, you know, just a few months ago now. Uh, this is one thing, maybe caught up in the moment. Forgot to check the the clock locations, especially where the play clock was. You know that after the opening kickoff, that first or second play. Now I know I have the play clock. And now I'm trying to look and find and locate the play clock. It just changes the like the chemistry in your body to say, "Oh crap!" Then everything starts playing. I didn't I didn't look for the clock. So I don't know. You know, I don't know where it is. Maybe you located and picked it up quick, but now you're thinking as a physical, what else did I forget? You know, what else am I not prepared for? Have I, am I not even prepared to, to work this game? Like, Did I not do my scouting report and all the other little things that, that could be going through our minds as simply for just not checking, checking uh, you know, our, our clock location. So, again, pregame preparation is going to make our, our, our on-field game so, so much better. Another thing, literally, that that I struggle with, um, even at the center judge position, I'm responsible for um, the opening half and second half kickoff game ball. But if you guys are honest and like me, almost every time we have, you know, game ball people that are hard to track track down um, or they're off doing whatever, especially at halftime, they lose focus as well, right, you know, you may be going seeing what new hot hot girls are running around, um, and so have a conversation, uh, an open-ended you know conversation with them, and, and let them know how important their job is, and the expectation where you can meet them for the opening kickoff and the second half kickoff game ball, because we never know who is watching, and the worst thing is if we're starting, we're starting a, a, a kickoff late, or starting the opening opening half. Uh, kickoff late and so as at all levels of officiating you know they monitor the game time of how long our games are and so at, at the college football ranks we try to keep them at three hours just under three hours and I'm sure there's a there's a time element there where in high school football where you guys want the, the game time to be. So no one wants to be at a, have a four-hour game because it just plays into the safety of the players and us as officials, too. So, um, and so we're, we're judged and critiqued on our game time. And as, as back judges, we play a crucial element of that, of how we're getting in and out of timeouts um, and how efficient are we managing the game and just getting the damn kickoff ball um, it, you know, plays wonders. So, uh, again, simple here is meet with the play clock and game clock operators uh, prior to the game. Again, something that we've all talked about, but uh, it's, it's crucial for us to do. I know some of the, the venues that we go to, we may not always get uh, a play clock or game clock operator there on time for us to, for us to communicate with. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's the expectation for for them. Um, so it's highly important to just have a quick couple minute conversation with those with those operators. So Ken, I'm going to kick it back to the to the call because I I like to hear if anyone if there's a brave soul out there that will go through a, a back judge maybe a seasoned back judge for all of us to to understand what do you say. To a, to a, let's say the play clock operator or the game clock operator when you when you meet them prior to the game.
0: I'm going to see if Sean will take this one.
1: Oh, Sean, he must be the money man, of the in New Mexico. Hey, sorry, I'm driving, this is Sean.
0: I'm still driving home. That's no problem, Sean. I appreciate you coming on. He was just talking about uh, what we're going to have a discussion to the play clock oper- operator about before game time. So I give him a uh, basically a little piece
1: of paper that says, here's the expectations." We're pretty lucky in Albuquerque in terms of when we hit the same stadiums, we generally have the same clock operator. I'll ask him if there's been
0: any issues with it. High school level, I tend to ask him if they know the mercy rule and what the clock
1: is. We get the mercy rule um but you know really it's just a reconfirmation of what the expectations are and to make sure that they're watching us and our mechanics and they uh, follow it and then and, uh I always find out who we can contact them from the field if they can't seem to read our hand signals those go on the sideline might have a headset and that uh, we can contact the clock operator Boom, that's that's money right. i i like that Sean and um and I think that's a you know obviously you sound like season season official and back judge and and, and well said uh, I got some advice to communicate with the play clock operator a long time ago. that it was it was helpful for me especially um uh especially communicating with with individuals as Sean mentioned, you know we go to the stadium and you're gonna hear that guy, you know I've been doing this for twenty five or thirty years or whatever. You know that's that's great. So I, you know, actually a guy from in the NFL just said, start to develop report Sometimes when you when you go to a to uh, a game site, and you talk to these these operators, and a lot of times it it, it can come off as as we're barking out orders to to um, the people that are that are running the game clock, and they have such a they play such a critical element in and the efficiency and the game management, as, as we've touched on, to our game. So what I like to say personally is, whatever name, hey, hey, Jim, tell me how you're going to work the game today. And so to Sean's point, Jim may be, may be doing it for 25 years and literally may cover everything that we have on our sheet, and he just nails it as money. And then we can also thank them, You know, thank you, Jim. You are an important part of the the crew. If you work the game as you said it, as you just elaborated, we're going to have a stellar and fantastic game. Um, and if let's say Jim missed on a couple of points that that Sean just hit on, they'd say, "Okay, thanks, Jim. Uh, love how you how how you're going to work the game." Just a reminder: let's say if one of the play clocks go down. You know just shut shut both of the play clocks and play clocks off and i'll and I'll take it on the field or something like that so instead of we' we don't want to go and and bark out orders um you know I think it's more of a relationship building effect when we can really truly get them get them on our team and and, and make them feel truly a part of the crew because they, at the end of the day they really are does anyone have any have any thoughts on that or
0: anything different Uh, there's a quick question uh in the chat room while we have a break uh we will use uh we will use rookie officials as clock operators and have them with an o2o as well can they hear what's happening during the game and we can make any clock corrections as necessary um so basically that was more of a statement question but it was a good good statement yeah yeah
1: that's 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 stellar well, we'll take that all out the out the window then, and just whip those rookie officials in shape. I'm I'm kidding. Don't do that. Uh, and then again, moving moving on here is obviously on the sunny day. Remind remind your punt returners um, of the limitations on on shading the eyes. And I also added in here the coach as well whether that's a special teams coach or a head coach a lot of times we just talk to the returners but we never want communication to get mixed up by any stretch of the imagination so the more that we can have a have a conversation with the with the coach and the player if something happens on the field really you know there's there's always you know three sets of individuals that are that are hearing what's going on So, if you're telling a player get away get away You're going to kill it Uh, once he possesses that ball. You know, no one is surprised, uh, and it just alleviates the the tension during the game that why you killed the play. Or if his hand goes completely high and you have to make a decision on if he's giving a fair catch signal or not or shading his eyes, that was clearly communicated um, not only to the player but the coach, coach is aware, and we can just eliminate so much headache for just having these simple conversations uh, before the game. And then again, once you start with your, your game clock operators, it's always good. We never know. Sometimes the, the, the game clocks go out. we we'll keep it keep it on our watch. You know, we can do the countdown, the kickoff, so we know exactly how much time we have you guys go back into the locker room. Uh, you're putting yourselves at ease before the game starts. Don't have to pop your head out, look, and look, and really just um, be uneasy about what's going what's going on. So, simple things to, for more efficient, Game. Any questions there, oh, there's not any, I'll, I'll, I'll move move on to the next slide. Again, like I said, there's a lot before you even get to get to a play, so pre-snap ritual. Uh, I'll pose the question, and it's more rhetorical, do you have one? It doesn't have to be answered, but you have to ask yourself, do you have a pre-snap ritual or routine? And so I think uh, that was you, Ken, earlier to say, you know, I lose concentration. Essentially, when I throw a flag afterwards, shit, was my flag correct or incorrect? <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what I'm going to be judged on. That's what the crewmates are going to be judged on, or I'm just getting getting booed. And so um, what I do is, is I'm so diligent with my, my pre-snap ritual and routine as – when I do have those scenarios, and, and even when I don't, you know, every 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 snap. But even when I do, I make it and I refocus on it that much that much more to really just get back to the basics, counting players down 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 the distance. So, um, you know, a lot of people you can have a, you can write it out. These are these are some of mine here. You guys can write out a list of, of you know five to ten. You can make a pre routine is really as long as you want it, essentially. Um, but at the end of the day, the game is getting faster and faster. The athletes are getting getting faster and faster. And so our pre-snap routine may go down from, you know, a, a, a checklist of eight to two or three. So you know, it's up to each individual person to really to really pick what is the most important key and crucial element. Of, um, of the game and for the position that you're working essentially. So I'll say two or three that we that we cannot miss as back judge is number one dead ball officiate. You know, don't go to anything else. Don't look for a ball or um, really anything until both jerseys are are separated. Teams are going back to their their huddle and we know. Um, that we have clean play and, are, and we're ready to move on to, to the next play. So dead, dead ball officiating is, is such a crucial element, um, especially from the back to its position, because we're, we're the deepest, so we can see everything. Um, but then it goes down, and then, then the other, I would say the other two critical ones are to know just the down, third third down, and that we need to count, count the defense, that we have 11 on defense and give the signal. So everyone knows that we have uh, 11 on defense other things that i like to think about especially from a from a pre-snap routine and ritual is my positioning and and, you know exactly you know 25 yards deep uh maybe a little bit a little bit deeper or or shorter in the high school ranks but exactly where where am i going to be positioned uh pre-snap and get there as quick as possible the worst thing and that I and that I hate seeing, especially when I go out and, and evaluate games or crews, is an official kind of walking around prior to the snap or right when the snap is, is imminent, because I could just tell that your pre-snap routine, you were not focused on getting into position and, and 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 really focus on 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 the next play. So, so again, these are these are some of mine: restricted and unrestricted players. I know the low blocking rule is a little bit different in, in high school football but that that's also uh, and that's pretty important uh, in college football anyways to understand who's restricted and unrestricted from uh, from a blocking standpoint so that's that's on there Ken, I I'm, I'm gonna pause there before we go into some mechanics and keys to see if see if there's any questions I can't I can't see the chat room so you um, you let me know
0: Yeah, there's an official, Drew, that has a question. Go ahead, Drew. Okay, here we go. Uh, Tyree, I got a question about spread offense, obvious passing situations. Let's say we've got five receivers lined up, three and two, whatever, right? So my, my line judges have the outside guys, and that puts three guys inside. So I have my key. Let's say it's the slot guy on the strong side, right? And then mm-hmm. they, they all go out for passes. So give me t- explain to me your thinking process and what you do with your eyes besides, you know, watching the quarterback, which way he's watching, what, you know, uh, what as that play is developing?
1: And who yeah, you're?
0: Drew,
1: that's that's Drew, right? Yes. Hey, Drew, man, you know, that was a, just an amazing segue, my my man, and I, I don't think I could have teed that up any 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 better than than you did. So I feel like, a, can you see my next slide at all? Let me let let me transition to the next next slide, and 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 we're going to to dive into our visual visual mechanics which is part of that three-legged stool that you know, we kicked off kicked off the call with essentially. And so this is a standard one and I have and Dennis and, and and Ken the other guys I have this breakdown you you guys might may have this as well. So a really good friend of mine sent me this this PowerPoint presentation that had like literally 10 slides and to drew's point or to drew's question on where our pre-snap keys would be, and so I think it's pretty powerful. I'll be happy to send it out to to you guys. I just took two slides off of that presentation and, and added them into mine because I think it's just the uh, the simplest form. So it's double double um, formation that many of our offenses and, and I would say probably eighty percent of the offenses that that you know we would see in today's today's day and age. And so Drew, I'm gonna circle back on that. I'm gonna I'll just knock knock this knock this off real quick and then we'll 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 transition once they they overload and stack one side. So really so we're all on the same 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 page. Um and Kenneth, Dennis, if if I'm saying something that is that is incorrect from a mechanic standpoint, just let me know. Um like I said, it's a little bit different, but it it should be uh, pretty, pretty spot on here. But if you guys have questions or if there's any differentiation, differentiations, uh, let me know. Sometimes conferences or areas may do something a, a little bit different. And I'll be the first to say, do what your conference supervisor tells you to do. Yeah, don't, the worst thing no you problem. Do is that, hey, Tyree Ty- 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 he did it this way. So. You got it. Um, but again, so e- easy, simple here. Back judge has the the Widest man on the a line of scrimmage, or widest man on the, in the formation. I'm sorry. Let me say uh, to the to the line judge's side, and then the the line judge has the has the next man or or player in. And so that's a pre-snap routine and position standpoint. So to Drew's point or question, let's say they overload. Uh let's just take three 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 receivers. That's 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 a little bit more, more common as well there too. So you know if they're they're stacked, uh, um so can you guys see my mouse? Can you guys see me yes. moving yes. on the screen? You bet. Okay. So you'll have you'd probably have a third receiver right here, and so now they're in a triangular form. And from the back judge position, you know, I, I would say here is you would still focus from a pre snap routine standpoint. You're going to want to key in on the individual who could be fouled or has the potential to be fouled, which is most important, no matter, no, really no matter what the formation is. Um, because that's when you always want to understand who is pressed and who is not pressed. And so until someone is free from foul, we want more eyes on that on that individual. So this first receiver here in the formation, you know the line judge, really the line judge and the back judge should both be keen on the individual because they're going to have a they're going to have a defender rolled up over him that's going to want to jam him and just really just mess up the whole trip's formation in general but and he can do that as long as he does that legally, but that's up to us. And so we're both gonna have two different angles to really see um, was there a material effect uh, on this on this initial key and receiver. So that's from a that's from a key standpoint. Then so let's take them, let's take them both over here. They're 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 extremely super stacked on this side. You know, that that's the challenge, I'll be honest, of of working. Uh, five man mechanics in, in football is you know there's not as many officials to to have everyone essentially covered so again my my first point to that would be understand who the threat is because somebody has to be off the line of scrimmage and somebody has to be on the line on the line of scrimmage for for legal formation and so one of those receivers or two of those receivers are most likely going to be pressed. And that's who we are going to want to key on from a pre-snap key standpoint. And what we say at all levels of officiating is what we have to get better on is expanding our vision. We can't be we can't be tunnel vision to lock into uh, one player and say, hey, this is my guy. The whole play when someone else is just getting blown up or decluttered or getting their ass kicked somewhere else on the play. So um, we just got to expand our expand our vision and the horizon so, did that answer the question? I think so yes okay so once the uh once the play starts uh obviously we have to transition to to our um visual mechanics, and that's in from the previous from the previous thought, you know, we have a pre-snap key, but once the snap starts, we go from man, zone, so we have to watch a zone. And from the back just position, it's a little bit harder because look how you guys can see this chart, how much zone that we have to cover. So essentially we have a thing near the whole field, but that's always a challenge for us because when we have the whole field, we see a lot, um, but that can also be dangerous because – some things that we see that we we probably shouldn't see, or we get to plays late essentially. So we may think that a foul, but really didn't have all the components to um, to have a quality foul. So it's, it could be a foul, but do we, well, we want quality fouls at, from an officiating standpoint. So I challenge you guys just be careful um, if you're working the back judge position um, to really see the whole play. Uh, from from start to finish. So, you know, especially in high school football, you know, it's, it does not hurt to take a peek at the quarterback because they're typically going to, their eyes are going to tell us exactly where where they want to go with the football. So that's going to help us narrow our zone and give us a better opportunity to see um, which players can be fouled or have the potential to be fouled uh, within that zone. And then and then again once the ball goes into the air, you know, all the officials essentially we're gonna we're gonna go to the ball and officiate that play the best we can. But we have to be in good mechanics to to make sure we can have sound judgment on those on those pass plays. Any questions from a from a visual standpoint, mechanics, uh, any experienced back judges do anything um to get themselves in quality positions, whether it's near the goal line or in line, or any question just from a positioning and mechanics mechanic standpoint?
0: I just wish we had set crews here in New Mexico because I'm working with a new wing official you know, every week and, um, and we just don't get to know each other well enough to be a, a well-oiled machine. and. You know so I try to pregame as best I can.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, and that's and that's why we have the these calls, right? It's why we get to get together and um and work on, on our mechanics individually because we we don't know who we who we're going to work with. But I'll tell you guys or i tell everyone at at every level and so, and even even in the XFL, you know, we we have someone that we thought was maybe a weaker official. So, if we if you guys have that mindset, that's a great, great thing to bring up. Ken is, I whether it's forty five dollars a game or two hundred and fifty dollars a game. I I the philosophy is, and I know we've all said it for for, for years and years and years, but you know, after crew saver call or this that and the other, is if you, if we go into games with that mindset, we are going to get a lot more plays wrong than right. Everyone is out there making the same amount of money for, for the most part. And so it is best that we focus and do our jobs to the best of our, of our ability. So if we're, we're back judge, we're not going to be calling a legal man down field essentially. And so let's, but, the, but what we what we can do is, you know, we feel like we have a, a sometimes a weaker official or somebody we haven't worked with in a, uh, before, and we have to overcompensate. And so I think we've all fallen into that trap, as we mentioned before, is one of the traps. So uh, just focus focus on on your game, officiate the best that you can for the position that you're working for for each game. And so thanks for bringing that up, Ken. All right, we are we're geez, time time is flying. So uh now that we we have our, our our mechanics, um we have our pre-snap routine literally from from there now we we just need to, we're just going to work a a strong strong football game. And so again this is another slide that I that I pulled off um from another individual for that that did a high school um Presentation that goes through all of the the DPI fouls and the holding fouls, and so I won't go through through all of them. But there there are six. And, and the question: Ken Dennis is is face guarding legal or illegal?
0: Oh, as long as there's no contact, high football. It's, you can so you can that, face guard
1: that, all you want. There's no contact. Okay, perfect, perfect. That's that's that 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 is the same. So. Uh, that's good to know, so if we don't, you don't know that, face guarding is, is, is clear as day, and I'm going to go into to my next point that I have here is if you see on both of you guys see my arrow, this one says no material restriction, and this one over here says no material restriction. So there are six categories uh, in DPI, armbar cutoff, grab and restrict, hook and turn, not playing the ball, early contact, and playing through the back. Um, but what we want to see is the material restriction aspect of the play. Does an individual or does a defender take a step away, essentially, or prohibit a receiver from making a viable play on the ball? And then just make them, like we all heard, make them big. You know, I – I think back, I went to watch a high school crew probably about two years ago now, and and I can't tell you guys if it was a correct DPI call or not, um, but I will say after the after the game, had a conversation with the crew. Uh, I think it was the back judge threw, threw a foul for DPI, but the individual caught the ball. So, I just said how much, and and let's say you can have DPI. Let's let's not take that away. You can have DPI if a receiver catches the ball, but the appetite has to is is way 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 um, it has you know super high. So it has to be huge, and he to for that to be called. So it was just a question is. You know, was there enough material restriction to have a flag down there uh, when this individual caught the ball? And it was literally just a probably a seven eight yard slant. Receiver caught it. Um, you know, the back just made it through for playing through the playing through the back. The individual catches the ball. So again, it gets to that game management that we want to be slow and patient and see the whole play start to finish. Um, because if, you know, obviously, if we see the whole play, that guy, that individual catches catches the ball. You know, we can not interject ourselves. We can keep our flag in the pocket. So once once we start seeing a lot of flags come out, um, that's when we just get in trouble from from a game management standpoint and just from a flag standpoint. Because you know, every time we put the flag down, our our credibility is on the line, and people can critique our calls. Whether somebody's watching. Um, or somebody goes back and and watches the film later on. So again, material material restriction. Make sure that's that's number one with with all of the calls that that we make, but especially the 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 DPI call. Uh, another great great uh, philosophy that I've always implored, especially at the back judge position, is. Was a defender in chase mode or not? So if you have one guy kind of swimming up the stream or gets beat off the line of scrimmage now, um, he's face guarding, as Ken talked about, and, and, you know, there's not saying he's going to foul, but your antennas have to go up, and, and there's a, more of a probability that we can have uh, a foul for not playing the ball if, if contact is made. And, uh, and that contact does not have to be um, huge you know if he if he contacts them before the ball before the ball arrives and, and participate his you know ability to go make a play on it then, then we would have a foul so and again you guys you guys are all all good official or, or good officials probably great officials and even if you're even if uh, you' you're new starting out to the game I would say these these sort of trainings getting out to the field getting snaps once you get into the games, trust your instincts, trust your gut, uh and, and don't second guess those those instincts. Because wherever you are, you're there for a reason and, and stick to what what got you there and, and build upon that. And and once we start second guessing it, that, that that always gets us in trouble. Kim, anything in the anything in the chat? Anything uh anything I missed?
0: Uh, no. Do you guys want to, I have a couple of questions for Tyree and we're running out of time, but I'll let somebody else jump in first. Feel free guys. Now's your time. Okay. You spoke about a uh, patient flag. Uh, you, you have a DPI, you're, you're processing, you're processing, receiver makes the catch. Um, that, that, that's something that is, is, has to be um, You know, that's a seasoned veteran holding his flag, holding his flag, holding his flag, watching the play. Your instinct is to throw on it when you see it. But I, mm-hmm. I've been working on it. it, it it's getting more comfortable. Um, how long did it take you to master that?
1: Well, that's a great question. I don't think there's no kind of set answer one year, two years, three years. The, the the best answer for that, Ken, honestly, is, is, is snaps and repetition is so i would I would challenge everyone out there I know this is a different environment that we're in in now, but really just love the game and spend as much time as you you can on the field, whether that's just in a in a in a simple practice or um in someone's passing drills, whether they're going just one on one really so you can start to understand and what's what's a foul and and what's not a foul and and so Ken, my answer to that is is just snaps an experience. And so you want to get out there, see a foul, see a foul, okay. Let's just see the see the whole plot. So it's one breath, two breaths, okay, now I now I have a foul. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yep. Anything else? Uh, nothing in so, this. Try- I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll I'll touch on OPI. I think it's, uh, it's I think it's important and and just honestly at every level, just to be blunt, we suck at OPI. All officials who care who it is, our crew. I think we had two incorrect calls right off off the bat uh, for offensive pass interference, and we're like we're not calling that, calling that anymore. And so I sucked at. Offensive pass interference for, for a long time until somebody came along. And that's why I didn't even put the category up here for for offensive pass interference. It doesn't matter. So I will, will let you guys know offensive pass interference, if you can simplify it, this is the easiest way to simplify it. Was the offensive player Creating an advantage for himself or for a teammate. I'll say that again. Creating an advantage for himself or a teammate. So if that individual runs downfield, blocks, comes back, the ball doesn't get thrown to him. The ball goes other, you know, somewhere else. To Ken's point, you know, snaps and repetitions. We're going to see that. Oh, that was that was only pass interference. Quarterback throws. Throws it to the other hash. You know that's a great opportunity for us to go up to um, that receiver and say, "Hey, if that ball comes to you, that's a foul. Or you created enough separation from that defender that that would be a be an offensive pass interference." The other one is a pick pick play. Um, so it's for a teammate. So he, you know, comes across. You know, tries to bump out blocks another blocks another player, uh, our defender, so his teammate is open for a pass, That's, that should be a foul. I was thinking way too much for categories, like an arm bar thing. I wanted to place OPIs in, into different segments of category until I just figured out, to Kent's point, experience? Okay, I see a lot of fouls here because the, the offenses try to get, get trickier and trickier, but when can I decide for when the heck do I put my flag down or not? Um, and so those two things is just really advantage disadvantage, and and, and just a just a good reminder for us. So Ken, I'm sorry. I thought we were going an hour and half. I'm gonna skip through, go straight to the questions and question questions. Uh, Can dive back into my experience or whatever you guys wanna to, wanna to talk about. Um, but just an overview, managing the game overview. Be great dead ball officials. If so, plays during the play or calls during the play, you know, we're going to miss those. Um, Some of them don't even have to be called, but the ones that are always going to get in trouble, that are always going to get on on a highlight call or get to the AD or whoever, are those targeting fouls or the safety fouls, uh, and especially those dead ball late after the hit action that, that are clearly avoidable, and that we clearly cannot miss as officials. Um, again, minders, play clock, game clock, back judge, be all over it, stay all over it, be, be great at it. Um, and then the last thing is get the big ones.
0: Oh man, it was a great presentation. Um, you know we. Uh, in our other – you know, in the CFO calls we have, we break down stuff a lot more, and we, we spend, what, 15, 20 minutes on one play. So I wish we had more time. But I, oh, I'd yeah. love any, – any of you guys out there that have a question for Tyree, please, now's your, now's your chance. Ask a Big 12 official. Okay, we got a bunch of shy ones on the line today. Uh, Tyree, um, if any, any of you guys need to follow up with Tyree, get a hold of me. I'll give you his email. Um, totally accessible. Uh, was gracious enough to jump on doing this webinar with us tonight. It's recorded. Uh, I guarantee you, um, you know, back judges from all over the state, when we start having our state clinic and it gets closer to, you know, kick off, hopefully we'll have a season this year. Uh, you know, we're going to make sure all, all the back judges around the state watch this webinar. So. Uh, Tyree, you're hey. the man. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, Ken. It's yeah, Sean. Up, Ken, oh, good. Sorry to interrupt. I was going to, Tyree's still on the line. Is it possible to get a copy of the PowerPoint that we can share with other park judges that might not, maybe at one of our association meetings?
1: Sure. Not a problem.
0: Yeah, you send it to Ken and uh, just copy the PowerPoint. would be great.
1: Sure. No, nope, no problem. Thank and you. i we'll so also that- say this, Ken. Can't... Ken knows. Ken knows how much of a you know I, I soak up, soak up plays. So I, I, you know, I'll throw it out to 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 you guys out there. You know, as he mentioned, feel free to get a get a hold of me if you want to send me plays. Dive dive into them together. We could talk about mechanics, rules, uh, positioning, whatever whatever you want to talk about from uh, from a play standpoint. I always feel like um, it's always good to see ourselves on film. That's why I'm leading the call that, that that Ken has jumped on and other back judges are, are more than welcome to jump on those calls as well. They're they're bi-weekly. Um, but it's I, I, I love just watching ourselves work because we can we can watch, you know, NFL games or whoever else, and we may not put ourselves in those positions. So, you know, it's always good to say, I'm in this position, and how can I how can I get better? So if any of you guys wanna reach out to me just to, to work and, and try to get better i'll be more than open and happy and willing to to help so with that ken dennis thank you guys kudos to everything that you're doing for the game of football and for the game of high school football uh it it uh it means a lot
0: it means more to us man i appreciate your time your time's valuable and you gave us some so thank you tyree thanks for everybody and uh saturday morning we've got uh uh Dennis, I'm sorry. Remind me who we got coming Saturday morning. Got Tom, Tom Baller. Um, He's the commissioner of the New Mexico Yaffle officials. And he'll be talking about four person and five person keys on on formations. Um, Tyree, appreciate your time. I learned a lot. I learned more of what Ken does not know about back judges. (laughs) I thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, Tyree. Thank you,